You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hi, welcome to Catholic Saints. My name is Mary McGeehan, and I am joined with Dr. Ben Akers, Chief Content Officer here at the Augustan Institute. Thanks for joining. Uh, we are going to discuss St. Thomas the Apostle. And this series is really to learn about our saints in heaven, uh, look to them for inspiration for us in our lives today. So excited to dive into St. Thomas the Apostle. St. Thomas is you know, one of the 12 apostles. So these men just stand out as we're looking at in the history of the church. And what's interesting about St. Thomas is he's actually uh, one of the few apostles that we have words from as we look at the gospel. Yes. So some of the apostles we don't have a single word from. Yes. They're in the scenes. Right. Remember to be an apostle, we look at Acts of the Apostles when Judas has denied our Lord, betrayed our Lord, and then commits suicide. Mm -hmm. They take an... They are looking for another apostle to take his place, and they say it has, he has to have been with us from the beginning, mm-hmm. from the baptism of, of John at the Jordan, all the way to having seen him risen from the dead. So this is like one of the qualifications of an apostle is to know Jesus from the beginning and see him risen from the dead. Correct. Thomas is one of those named apostles called by Christ, named, and uh, we, we know him as Thomas the Apostle. In, it's actually Matthew, Mark, and Luke just give his name as Thomas. It's John's gospel that adds Thomas the twin, mm-hmm. or Didymus yes. if in Greek is twin, so that's what his name means. But we probably know him as Doubting Thomas. Yes, yes. So that's what he's most famous for. We, yes, he is. So he's in the inner circle of Jesus, one of his 12, not just a dis- later disciple, a, a true apostle. And do we know what does Didymus mean? Do we know what? twin. Okay, yeah, yeah. but did he, did he actually have a twin? Well, it, did, I, was it we, assume, we, we assume so. Okay. Yeah. We don't know the twin's name. <laughs> but is it interesting, though, that you know, yeah, if he is a twin, yeah. you know, we don't know what happened to his twin. But that's, you know, think of all the people we don't know the name of mm-hmm. because they weren't called by Christ yes. and they didn't say yes to Christ's invitation. Thomas is one of the ones. I mean, we have stories in the gospel where the rich young man comes, I want to follow you and, and, and you know, what do I need to do to have salvation? And Jesus says, go sell everything you have, you know, obey the commandments. And the man walks away sad. There are people, in the, you know, Lord, I want to follow you. But first, I need to bury my father. Mm-hmm. Right? So there are people in the gospel accounts that we have, that we have records of, but then also I'm sure many more that we don't have records for, of Jesus calling them and saying, you come follow me, and they don't. Right, yes. But Thomas is one of the ones that was called by Christ and then responded responded positively. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So St. Thomas the Apostle, his, his feast day is July 3rd. So we know we can look to learn about him through the Gospels, which I would like you yep. to share maybe the key places in the Gospels where we can learn about him. Uh, but a side question I have is, are there other sources that we can learn about St. Thomas as well? Sure. So, yeah, other than scripture, I'd say Origen mentions him. Uh, We have fathers of the church, like St. Gregory the Great has this beautiful reflection on St. Thomas for his feast day. So if you do the the office of readings, the divine office, uh, every morning, uh, priests, religious, the Pope, your own own pastor, your bishop, reads the office of readings and prays it. And there's always a, a, a reading from scripture and then maybe a document of the church, but many times from the fathers of the church or saints. Mm-hmm. And St. Gregory the Great uh, wrote, ha, is for the feast day of July 3rd for Thomas the Apostle, has a beautiful reflection on him. But um, so that's the father of the church. Origen, 
would be an ecclesiastical writer that that mentions what Thomas where he goes okay. after meeting Christ, and then Eusebius is an early church historian, and he mentions uh, Thomas as well. Very good, yeah. great. Okay, so where where in Scripture can we look to learn about Thomas's uniqueness? It's since we have so many words, he actually spoke to the Lord. I think we yeah. uniquely get to learn a little bit more about his personality. That's right. Yeah. So we see his personality. Um, with I want to start with actually Mark three where he doesn't say anything, but Mark three is where Jesus calls the apostles by name. We have accounts like this in in Matthew and Luke as well, and the Acts of the Apostles are listed. But in Mark chapter three, it tells us the posture of a disciple of Christ, and then what they're called to be as an apostle of Christ. So this is when Jesus goes up the mountain. So in Mark chapter three verses thirteen to nineteen, he Jesus goes up the mountain. He calls to him those whom he desired, and mm-hmm. they came to him. And he appointed 12. Does your translation say appointed? Yep, and he appointed 12. So appointed 12. Some translations uh, there will say ordained. That's the King James Version. Okay. Um, he elected 12. He chose 12. Uh, the Greek word there is created. Mm. So he's creating these 12 men. It's beautiful. He I creates like 12. And what does he create them to be? It's a purpose clause in Greek. He, did, he created them to do acts to be with him, to be sent out to preach, and have authority to cast out demons. Simon, who he surnamed Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, John, the brother of James, whom he surnamed Boanerges, so the sons of thunder, (laughs) James and John, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So I love that this line that tells us he appoints 12, he creates 12 to be with him. Then he sends them out to be preach and have authority mm-hmm. to cast out demons. And here's the list of the 12. So what is the posture of a disciple? First and foremost, to be with Jesus. And from being with Jesus, then you're sent out. So a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. An apostle is someone who's sent out. That's what apostle means, to send out. Okay. So they move from disciples to mm-hmm. apostles in this scene. They're sent out to preach and to cast out demons. And here's their name. So When we see the apostles in the Gospels and the rest of the stories of the Gospels, if they're not with Jesus, it doesn't always go well. They're running away from him. They're not close to him. And we're going to see in in Thomas's responses to our Lord, these three key scenes in John's Gospel, he's trying to be with our Lord. And if he's not with our Lord, then he's doubting whether or not he Mm. rose from the dead. So Mm -hmm. this is a key for us. And what the takeaway for us is to be with our Lord. That's the goal of being a disciple of Christ then going out and doing what he's asked us to do. Yeah, and also just encouragement that if you feel you are far away from the Lord or if you are in some trouble, to go back to the Lord, mm-hmm. return to him um, in that apostolic mindset as well. Yeah, that's great. Decent. All right, so we're going to turn to John's Gospel, three passages in John's Gospel that give us insight into Thomas. So John chapter 11, John chapter 14, and John chapter 20. So these are the three passages we're going to, we're going to go through. Um, in John chapter 11, that's the story of Lazarus, the great friend, the brother of Martha and Mary, mm-hmm. this whole family in Bethany, very good friends with Jesus. And he dies, Lazarus dies. So we're in John chapter 11, verses 5 through 16. Can you read that for us, Mary? Yes. So John 11, they just heard about Lazarus um, Five being ill. 16. Yeah. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. 
But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I want to give a some context to that because if we just said, what did Thomas say? He says, let us also go that we may yeah, die with him. Like, wait, what do you mean dying? Hmm. Because we started with John 11. The last time Jesus was in Judea around the city of Jerusalem, the region there, they tried to stone him to death for claiming that he was identifying mm-hmm. with God, mm-hmm. for saying that he was God. And, uh, Jesus is like, let's go back there. They're like, well, are you sure you want to do that? And the disciples are like, are you sure that's a good idea, Jesus? And we should always like, you know, it is kind of humorous when we read the Gospels. Like, Jesus is like, we're going to do this. And the disciples are like, are you sure you want to do that? You know, and there's this innocence. There's this, you know, uh, it, it, what we want to take away from that is they, they feel comfortable asking Jesus about things. Yes. And that's good. Question, but uh, they're going to go to Lazarus. And the, the apostles are also humorous here. We're like, yeah, Lazarus has fallen asleep. He means dead. They think he's asleep. They're like, well, if he's asleep, he's going to wake up again. That's how sleep works, God. <laughs> you know, like, I, I didn't know if you knew this, but when you fall asleep, they wake back up, right? So there's some humor here. And Jesus has to tell, speak plainly. No, Lazarus is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm glad that he's not there, that, that I was not there, so that you may believe. So there's a miracle that's going to happen that's going to lead to belief. Hmm. Right? This is also setting up for the, the last scene in John chapter 21 that we meet Thomas. But there's a miracle. I'm going to show you a miracle so that you will believe. I'll raise Lazarus from the dead. Let's go. And then Thomas turns to the 12, right, the, the 11 that he's with. The other apostles like, let's go. Let's, so we can also die with him. So there's a great bravery yeah. in this man of courage mm-hmm. of like, all right, Jesus says he's on the move. We know that last time that we were there, he, they wanted to kill him. Let's go. Yes. Let's go die with him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, leadership. Yeah, leadership in the, among the 12. And he's like, let's go. Let's die with him. So I think one of the things that we'll see in the scenes, is he's a man of action. He doesn't mind speaking up at key moments. He's also a courageous person mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. So that's the first scene that we see in John's gospel. Let's go. And let's go die with him. Yeah, the next, like you know, the next thing that we, see John, uh, that we see Thomas in John's gospel is John chapter 14. And in John chapter 14, we're at the Last Supper, and Jesus is giving his final discourse. He's talking to the apostles about what, you know, he's just washed their feet. He's instituted the Eucharist, and now he's giving his, what's called sometimes a farewell discourse. Or, mm-hmm. And so we're in John chapter 14. Do you want to read uh, verses 1 through 7 for us? Yes. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So thank you, Thomas, for asking that question, because this is one of the greatest lines that we have of Jesus saying, mm-hmm. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus saying that is a response to a question from Thomas. Yes. So we're in the Last Supper, 
what's another thing that comes out in this section is let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So we just saw in John chapter 11 about, I'm going to do a miracle so you can believe. Now mm-hmm. he's like, okay, I want you guys to believe in me. Yeah. I'm going to go somewhere. Yeah. Right? So that, that action that we talked about before, let's go that we may die with him. Lord, we don't know where you're going. Where are you going to go? So we can be there. Mm-hmm. Right. And what Jesus says, where I go, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. What's the posture of a disciple to be with our Lord. Yeah. So Tom was like, great. You're going somewhere. Let's go. Yes. So the, John 11, you're going to the, you're going to die. Great. Let's go with you. You're, I hear you're talking about you're going to your father's house. Let's go. Where is mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. I want to be there. I want to be with you. That makes sense. I have not noticed that before. And then, and I, I just, what we see in Thomas, if we're trying to, a portrait of his personality coming out in these short, just these three phrases that we have from him, um, he's brave. Mm-hmm. Again, he's asking Jesus for an explanation. No one else is. Jesus and courageous, about, courageously yeah, asking. Yeah. Which I appreciate. I feel like he gets a, a bad rap sometimes of doubting Thomas, but... Thank you, Thomas, for helping us logically understand what's going on here. Too. That's exactly right. Jesus <laughs> is saying things like, I don't exactly understand what you're saying. And I don't understand, but I know you have the answer, Lord. So mm-hmm. help me understand. And so I think Thomas gives us an example of what sincere prayer looks like, too. Mm-hmm. Jesus says things and asks things of our lives that we always don't know how to interpret them, how to understand them. And he very quickly says... I don't know what you're talking about. We don't know the way. Can you tell us? And then Jesus has that delivers that incredible line, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. Hmm. And so we have Thomas to thank for that. Yes. So a model of prayer and sincere asking. Very good. I love that. The next time is the famous story, so John chapter 20, um, <laughs> of the doubting Thomas, where he gets the bad rap yes. of being the ba- the doubting Thomas. So we're in uh, John chapter 20, if you're following along in your Bible. Can you, would you mind reading 20, verses 24 to 29? Yes. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So, we have this scene of it's Easter Sunday and Thomas is not there. We don't know where he went. Um, you know, uh, Tim Gray here likes to joke that he probably went out to for breakfast. He was brave enough to go get breakfast. <laughs> you know, like, and then the other guys didn't like, you know, but that'd be interesting. He's, he's goes, he's like, let's go. He's, he seems like a man of action, probably, you know, a lot high energy. Hmm. He's not there. And then they come back and like, no, we saw him. He's like, no, I will not believe unless I put my hand in the side, my fingers in the wound. Like, that's pretty extreme, right? That seems like yeah. he's a strong doubting. Right. Now, I heard a priest uh, to reflect on this, and he says he knows twins, and he said, we know Thomas is a twin, so maybe that fact is actually important to the story because twins like to play tricks, especially if they're identical twins. Oh, yes, that's true. And so they, they like, like, you know, is the teacher, are you mm. that one or are you that one, right? What's the name? And, like, and play tricks. So the, you know, the interpretation was a lighthearted interpretation, but, you know, might have some truth to it is yeah. twins are used to playing tricks on people. He's like, are these guys playing a trick on me? Because it is outrageous to believe that a dead man is living again. Yes. Right. And so maybe he's just like, look, I'm not going to be fooled by this. And yeah. that kind of twin, his name twin is a, is a clue to that kind of interpretation okay. of the scene. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. And once again, exemplifying that leadership too, to push back a little bit on what his other brothers are saying here. Yes. 
So we go on, if you mind, let's start in verse 26 through his uh, proclamation. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So one of those incredible lines of all of scripture, the Thomas's declaration that Jesus is God and Lord, and then the great beatitude that Jesus speaks to Thomas, and then inclu- mm-hmm. that includes us. So, mm-hmm. so packet. So, Divine Mercy Sunday. That's what that's when this takes place. The eight days later after Easter Sunday. So, oh, okay. Divine Mercy Sunday, and Jesus. The very first words that he says to his apostles is what the heck happened? You know, like, you know, like <laughs> peace be with you. Shalom, right? This, like we are, we have this restored relationship. Thomas mm-hmm. is there. And were Thomas, they in the upper room, the other disciples? And when Jesus appeared, it just says again in the house. So okay. we don't know which house they're in. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're, uh, the, yeah. The other passages say uh, upper room. So they're in a house. Jesus stands among them uh, behind locked doors. And he, they, he's like, Thomas, I've heard the story. I know what you, you're, that you're disbelieving please don't be disbelieving anymore. Mm. You requested that you put your hand in my side and your, your finger is in my wounds. Please do that. Right. You know, commands him to do it. You know, even grabs his hand in some kind of in like Caravaggio's piece of art. Yeah. You kind of see Jesus forcibly like, like do it. Don't believe. <clears throat> so Jesus has a great interest in Thomas being a believer mm-hmm. of not having doubt anymore. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting that in God's providence, he allowed Thomas to not mm-hmm. be there in that room, yeah. almost as if he knew how to get to Thomas's mind and heart yeah. in which way he would actually believe. No, and, and that's a great insight because that St. Gregory the Great mentions mm-hmm. that in his homily. He says, look, it was very providential that Thomas was not there because this scene is now here for us in this great mm-hmm. beatitude. His mm-hmm. unbelief, his wounds of unbelief, St. Gregory says, uh, leads to our wounds to be healed so that we can believe. Yes. So it's really beautiful that beautiful. <laughs> Thomas's unbelief actually leads to his faith, but also to our faith as well, that he becomes a, a, a primary witness to Jesus's resurrection. Yes. On a small note question, yeah. do we know what the wounds actually look like when Jesus says, touch my wounds? Like, it was at the glorified body, mm-hmm. like Carvar- Caravaggio depicts an actual hole that mm-hmm. you could he could stick his finger into. Yeah. Do we have any insight on what that was actually like for Thomas? <laughs> well, no, we don't. Um, we have, to- many saints will speculate about it. Some saints yeah. have actually had mystical visions, but uh, Thomas Aquinas will say, that is a good, in his Summa Theologica, so in his you know, document, you know, when he's writing a theology textbook, he thinks it's worth asking that question though. Why did Jesus keep the wounds? Mm. Because he has a glorified body. Right. He doesn't look beaten and bruised because if Jesus came out of the tomb looking beaten or three days after the tomb uh, became beaten and bruised, like, it's just kind of dead. They just didn't really kill him. Yeah. Like, But no, he's got a full glorified body. He can walk through doors, but yeah, he eats fish, right? So he's, he, he's tactile, but he, yeah, he also has this move, this movement that he's able to, to do. Um, and Thomas says one of the reasons, he gives five reasons why, but one of the reasons why Jesus kept his wounds was so that he could show them to us Hmm. what he did for us. And he could show his father how much he loves us. And he could show us how much he loves us. Like we could see that I did Mm -hmm. this for you. Mm -hmm. And so to Thomas and to us, like I did this for you. This is why I still have the wounds that you can see and touch. And in this 
circumstance. In fact, I want you to touch and be in my wounds as well mm-hmm. for your un- for your unbelief. Yeah. Well. So there's this beautiful, you know, Thomas's unbelief leads to this incredible declaration of belief, my Lord and my God. Mm-hmm. No one in the Gospels said that to Christ before. He recognizes. So at the beginning of John's Gospel, we have Nathaniel say, oh, you're the King of Israel, you're the Son of God. And it's a, you know, believing, a, you know, this is this, this uh, journey towards full belief in who Jesus is. Now at the end of John's Gospel, we have Thomas, my Lord and my God, recognizing who Jesus is for him, but also for the world. And there was this beautiful, beautiful beatitude, right? We're, we're mm-hmm. familiar with the eight beatitudes that Jesus says, and we have the beatitudes in Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel. Here's a beatitude in John's Gospel. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We haven't seen, mm-hmm. and yet, through God's great gift of faith, we believe. Yeah. And so Jesus is proclaiming, you know, looking at Thomas's faith, saying, but blessed are those who haven't seen, but do believe. So he's talking about, he's thinking about us. I got a follow-up question for that. Yeah. What, what can we learn from St. Thomas on the proper disposition for, for doubt and where doubt plays in our faith life? Yeah, so doubt is a obstinate denial of a particular, you know, the, the faith or the truth of the faith. So I will not believe. Mm-hmm. Difficulties, though, are different than doubts. We have many difficulties. There's many people in the, you know, in their lives and our own lives today that we are like, ah, that's a tough teaching, Lord. I'm not sure how that applies in my life. You're teaching on marriage. You're teaching on life within, you know, marriage and fertility within marriage. These things that often come up. Mm. How do I trust you? Those are called what we might call difficulties. Okay. A doubt is like, you know, theolog- I'm just giving the theological definition, an okay. obstinate, I will not believe. Yes. You can show me in scripture, Jesus is going to appear. I'm still not going to believe it. Got it. So what, colloquially, we use it in a different we, way. We colloquially yeah. use it, yeah. So I'm just giving the theological definition. And St. John Henry Newman has this beautiful phrase where it's quoted in the Catechism, 10,000 difficulties do not equal one doubt. We can have difficulties mm-hmm. all day long about the faith. We mm-hmm. don't understand. But a doubt where I will not believe that no matter what, we don't want to be in that position. Right. So yep, we have a difficulty. Um, bring it to the Lord. This do what Thomas did. Ask him the question of, I don't know where you're going. I don't know the way. Mm-hmm. And then go to the person who can answer those difficulties that you have. And that's what Thomas does and is a model for us in that. Yes. Great. Uh, two other questions outside yeah, of scripture. Was, yeah. was, uh, what uh, is the gospel of Thomas? I've heard that floating around. It's that, I'm assuming it's on the apocrypha list. Uh, yeah. Is Yes. How do we, do we use that book at all or what's inside of it? <laughs> no, good question. Yeah. So the gospel of Thomas, as you mentioned, would be what we call a apocryphal gospel it means it's not actually part of the canon, the list, the approved list of gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm-hmm. There's also every Easter and Christmas, some of this, this kind of surfaces like, what's the gospel of Thomas, the yeah. gospel of Mary Magdalene, <laughs> the gospel of Judas. And so the early church was aware of these things. Mm-hmm. What is it? It's writings. It's called apocryphal. It's writings usually by a group of Christians or a sect of what's called Gnostic. They had this secret knowledge that they claim to have stories sometimes about early the early life of Christ, the Gospel of Thomas. Stories like, did you ever wonder what Jesus did for the first 30 years of his life? We had that one scene of 12, <laughs> like when he's 12 years old. In the, yes, but what do we, I sure did. So some of these stories come up in there. Okay. So they're not historically reliable. Mm-hmm. They usually attach, they're not written by the actual person that they claim they're written by. Okay. But they attach a name to an apostle to try to give it gravitas, to give it authority. 
Like there Matthew, a... Mark, Luke, and John's like, oh, and Thomas, here's one. Right. But is there any merit to them? Like, is there any mm. good reason to really be looking at those no. as a source? Okay. No, not just at all. Go to scripture. Yeah. No, yeah, just go to scripture. Always read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I know people like to watch movies and shows about the life of Christ. That's wonderful if they help your faith, but yeah. better to know the words of that are divinely inspired yes. in the Gospels. Yes. Um, Gre- that's a good question, though. St. Gregory the Great, I wanted to mention this is a great quote, um, so I didn't slaughter it, but um, Tom, Gregory the Great on St. Thomas, um, the disbelief of Thomas has done more for our faith than the faith of the other disciples. Hmm. Wow. That's so his, isn't that beautiful? The disbelief of Thomas has done more for our faith than the faith of the other apostles. As he touches Christ and is won over to belief, every doubt is cast aside. Our faith is strengthened. So the disciple who doubted, then felt Christ's wounds became a witness to the reality of the resurrection. So the doubt and uncertainty led to certainty and mm-hmm. to faith. Mm-hmm. So this is a great model for us. So and then his, to be, yeah, so we want to thank him in a sense for his doubting because right. it led to this great witness to us. And and then also having been sent very widely I, was my final question. After uh, Jesus ascended into heaven, mm-hmm. do we know, I believe there's tradition he St. Thomas was yep. sent to India. Mm-hmm. Do we know how he died? Are his relics still available to venerate? Yeah, no, great question. All the above. <laughs> yeah, all the above, yes. So Thomas, like all the other apostles except for James, because James is killed early, um, leave the boundaries of the Roman Empire. They took the words of Jesus seriously, go to the ends of the earth and make disciples. So Thomas goes to, the, the tradition is, is that he goes to um, Chaldea, um, Syria, and Persia. Chaldea is like Babylon. So the Chaldean Catholic Church actually traces its origin to his founding. So is that the Syro-Malabar? The diff- almost. almost. So he's, he goes to Chaldea, goes to Syria, so up north to Persia. Okay. And then still wants to go further outside the, that, outside the boundaries of the Roman Empire. And he wants to go to India. So he mm. lands on the western part of India and then southern part of India. And then two churches claim to have been founded by him, the Syro Malabar and the Syro Malakar. Okay. So I won't be able to distinguish the two. They're, they're both have beautiful, rich traditions. They're both the Syro part comes from Syria. Okay. So they're not actually Syrians, but the Syrian, the Chaldean tradition. Is uh, evangelized, and the Syro Malabar Church actually calls themselves Thomas Christians. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so that's actually a title they call themselves because no, Thomas is the one who uh, founded our church. Yep, beautiful. He's martyred. The tradition is he's martyred in India. His bodies are moved around. His his relics of his bodies are moved around at different points. Um, they're brought to Abruzzi, Italy, so you can actually visit his tomb in Abruzzi, Italy. Uh, but if you like to visit his finger, this is where Catholic stuff gets weird. Um, St. Bridget of Sweden uh, tore his finger off and put it and brought it to Rome. She's like, that's the finger that touched the side of Christ. I want it. So she wow. brings it to Rome. So if you go to Santa Croce in Jerusalem and Rome, next to all the relics, the, yeah. the title of the, the cross, the, the lance of Longinus, um, it's there. That is pretty cool. The, the yeah, that it's the definitely strange though, but yeah. <laughs> yes. And you said he, he was martyred. Do we know the specifics of his mm-hmm. death? Okay. No. Very yeah. good. Anything else you'd like to share about St. Thomas? No, I, I think, yeah, yeah, thank you. No, I think Thomas is a, is a wonderful um, model for us of someone who encourage you, like if you have difficulties, if you're having doubts, mm-hmm. like Thomas did, it's okay. Thomas knew Jesus. G- Thomas spent three years with Jesus. He wanted to be with Jesus. We see these wonderful, Lord, where are you going? I'm going to go. Like He's going to die. Okay, let's go with him. Like yeah. He is a man who wants to be with our Lord. And Jesus loves that. And Jesus loves that in Thomas. Jesus loves that in us. 
And when Thomas wasn't there with the other apostles, when our Lord showed up, Jesus still respond, you know, allowed that unbelief to serve as a wonderful model for us to be, give example to us of the Lord wants you to not be unbelieving anymore, but to no longer unbelieve, but to, to believe. And so mm-hmm. if you have those difficulties, if you have those doubts, go to our Lord, ask him those hard questions and let him answer you. Yes. Ask those honest questions mm-hmm. before our Lord. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, St. Thomas the Apostle, pray, for, pray us. for us. Thanks for joining. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, ebooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.